0: Hello and welcome to Motopod, the internet radio show all about motorcycle road racing. This is episode number 726 and we just happened by coincidence to be recording it on April the 26th of 2023. I'm Richard Jarrett and joining me as ever over
1: the pond is Mr. Jim McDowell. Jim, good evening. Good evening. Good to be here, Rich. We'll go through this real quick and get the, everybody a little synopsis of what's going on in the racing world before we hit the weekend with the MotoGP action. Absolutely. So we initially weren't
0: going to get together to do this, were we? Because so I was going to be busy with work and you're flat out with work. Um, but there's been a couple of news items that popped up today and a couple of really good races that took place over the last weekend uh, in terms of Aston World Supers and Road Atlanta with Moto America. So we just thought we'd touch on those. So we'll dispense with all the usual stuff because we're just going to kind of race through this as a little pre heref teaser show, I suppose, and, and a news catch up. So Uh, I'm going to dive straight in, Jim, with one thing that we didn't do last week, which was just have a very quick talk about the email that came in from Matt Pataka. Oh, yes. I'll just quickly read it because I know that you did actually reply to this one, uh, whereas I didn't actually. So Matt says, a quick observation of mine. Have the sprint races taken away from being a MotoGP? winner. I remember when Brad won his first race and when he won in Austria, and those were awesome to see. However, in Argentina, I didn't have the same feeling because it was just the sprint. Am I feeling that way because Brad won a few times before, or do the sprint races not really feel like a real win? I wonder how the riders feel about this, and will they discredit sprint wins as compared to Sunday wins? So... Jim, you wrote back and gave your opinion on
1: that. So I'll let you lead on that one. Yeah, for me, I looked at it this way. From my own personal experience of racing, it doesn't matter what you win as long as you win. So to me, these guys, if they win a sprint race, they're going to be enjoying that. Maybe not as much as like with drink and partying as you would after Sunday's event, because you have to ride again on Sunday. Yeah. But there's no feeling like winning and knowing that you are the best rider of the day in the world on that track. And that's what these guys are dealing with. So I think they're all pumped up to win, and I think they do have elation. I think perhaps maybe your thoughts about why you didn't feel as excited about that sprint race is because it was not that exciting. Bender kind of made a great start. He got to the front, and he was never headed. There wasn't the back-and-forth race that we had in Mayo. Now, do they feel differently if they win the race on Sunday? I don't think so. Win's win. Again, it's the greatest feeling in the world because you are the best of the best at that time on a motorcycle. Now, for me, anytime I ever won a race, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a great feeling because I was the best rider on that day. The only one that kind of feels a little bit different to me was when I won my national championship back in 1989. That one stands out. And I I can tell you everything about that day and exactly everything that happened in great detail. But I think that's, kind of because it was a national championship which is what these guys would feel I think if they win a world championship like that winning a world championship is going to be completely different feeling than winning an actual race but I don't think they think any different I think they still believe that for that moment they're the best yeah
0: I mean the other thing you mentioned in your email to Matt Jim was the fact that there's legalities around this and the fact that we're not allowed to call the sprint a race but as far as I'm concerned now that we're into this it's a race as far as I'm concerned and I would imagine and believe as you say that the right just want to win anything that they possibly can. I mean, we always hear about, you know, their private lives. These guys are always super, super competitive. They just have to win absolutely everything that they do. So I'm sure, as you say, elation is part of the deal when you pick up a sprint win. So hopefully we answered that one well, Matt, and uh, keep them coming because we do like the questions. So, we got Moto MotoGP this weekend, but just before we talk very briefly about that, some news that emerged, I think it was today, Jim, was that we've learned, perhaps not entirely unexpectedly, that What was due to be round nine on July the 9th at the Sokol circuit in Kazakhstan, that round has now been officially cancelled. And the official wording of the press release was that it was due to ongoing homologation works at the circuit paired with current global operational challenges. Not quite sure what they mean with the second bit.
1: That means it's way too close to Ukraine. (laughs) <laughs> I think that's yeah,
0: where it comes down uh, it's carefully worded, isn't it? And the fact yes. that, you know, ongoing homologation works suggests to me that they're still building the track, you know, they're way behind. So I don't know that anybody's going to lament the fact that that's not going to happen this year too hard. Uh, I mean, are you particularly sad to see that one disappear temporarily? No, I mean,
1: it, to me, it's like that gives me a place to put Aragon in the calendar.
0: Although they have also said that th- that round will not be replaced.
1: Oh, so I was looking forward to Aragon. I, I, yeah. I love Aragon as a track. I think it's brilliant. I mean,
0: I'm sure the teams and riders and all the personnel and so on are breathing a bit of a sigh of relief because mm. that's one less round in a, what is already a very, very hectic year. So, I don't know, clouds and silver linings, I guess, but it would have been nice to have had an Aragon back or somewhere else that's missing or have a Kyle Army jump in and fill a slot that needs to be filled. But hey-ho, I mean, it's a little bit like the Kimi Ring thing, isn't it? I don't think we're ever going to really see that race yeah.
1: or certainly not in the foreseeable future. I don't think this one's ever going to happen. Oh, really? Um, Yeah. I mean, just if you... I kind of did some Google Maps or Google Images and stuff to try to find where they're building it and whatnot. It's in a very remote area. So, I mean, logistically getting to it's going to be difficult. Actually building something there in the desert is probably difficult as well. Mm. So it's in a very barren, very open area. It's a lifeless track. It has nothing around it. I mean, people complained about Aragon when they first went there that it was... I don't know what exactly. It's not a desert there, but it's very arid.
0: Yeah, and and it is quite out of the way, I think, Aragon as well. But, you know, I don't really have an awful lot of truck with these events where I could almost guarantee there would be pretty much empty stands around most of that track. I don't know. Maybe I'm being a bit unfair. I mean, you don't know until it kicks off. But anyway, it's gone for 2023 at least anyway. And then the other, I mean, the real headline piece of news, I suppose, that came out again, I think it came out today, is the announcement that Mark Marquez is out of this weekend's race at Jerez again. Well, not again, but we were expecting him to come back. But evidently, whilst the doctors are reasonably happy with the healing process in that wrist, they're not happy enough that they're, or he is prepared to risk it. So, I mean, in terms of some of what we've seen from riders and Mark Marquez in particular in the past, I suppose we ought to be applauding the fact that he's not jeopardizing that injury by coming back too early because he's learned that lesson the very hard way, hasn't
1: he? Yeah, I'm guessing that he actually brought broke the navicular bone under his thumb right there near where your wrist is. It's a small little kidney bean shaped bone and if he's cracked it there, it's notoriously difficult to get that to heal because there's very little blood flow that actually reaches that bone. So I think that this is just a result of what he's broken and he's actually understanding that you can't get back on that bike until it's healed and maybe conspiratorially, this is hypothesis, maybe the Kalex chassis isn't quite ready yet and so (laughs) he's decided no. Or he's been scared off by the fact that if Renz can ride that bike that well maybe I can't and I can't change my style to suit the bike so I don't know sort of weird that he's taking this approach when he never did before but I think he's learned that he has one body and there is life after racing and he cannot afford to have his golden years be crippled by injuries or problems that his you know his body breaking down so good on I mean good on him if it's really that he just taking it off because he's not healed great
0: yeah, I think we should applaud that
1: if that is the case.
0: I mean, that there were a number of people that immediately came out sort of conspiratorially suggesting that he was trying to do it so he didn't have to serve the double long lap that's still pending. But he wouldn't have had to serve it this weekend anyway because it's at the Court of Appeal now and there isn't even a date set for when that hearing is going to be had, I don't think, or I haven't checked on that in the second half of today. So I think that's the case. So, I mean, that penalty might or might not be served some way down the road depending on how the legalities of that all shake out. One piece of good news that comes out of Mark's absence, however, I mean, I'm personally pleased because I'm sort of a fan of the rider, is that I'm delighted to read that HRC have taken the, I think, very sensible decision to put Ika Lekowona on Mark Marquez's bike this weekend. So we've got a, without wishing to sound disrespectful to Stefan Bradle, because he's a top line racer and certainly was very, very good in his heyday. But I think that heyday is some way down the road of the past. And Ika Lekuona was starting to show form on the KTM a couple of seasons ago, if we cast our minds back, before he was kind of slightly unfairly, turfed out of MotoGP, although he did crash quite a lot in truth, which doesn't necessarily bode terribly well for this weekend. But anyway, he's been buying his trade with HRC. He's an HRC contracted rider. So he's part of the World Superbike setup for HRC. And he and uh, Chaffee Pierre have been doing pretty sterling work in that squad as the HRC and World Superbike comes on in in sort of leaps and bounds.
1: So very pleased to see that, yeah, um, they're bringing a top line rider in to sub this time. I think this doesn't happen if Renz doesn't win or look really good in Texas. Well,
0: that uh, yes, I agree. I think that might have changed the mentality, might have changed, yeah.
1: Yep. I think that Rin's doing as well as he did on the bike has forced them to say, look, we need another set of eyes of somebody who doesn't know this thing, but is a top line rider. I think Lekawana has done really good at developing the uh, Fireblade that they use in superbike competition. It is a pretty... From what I know, here and there, just kind of looking at results, it's near, at or near the top of most sessions now, and it's sort of right there. Guessing that it's, it's close. It's very close, right? They're closing the gap, yeah. Yeah, they have made a big jump, so I think putting Lecolon on the bike, on Marquez's bike, going to Jureth, a place that he knows pretty well that they tested out a lot, I, just, I think it's a smart move. I think it's a great move. Now, whether that's Ken's doing or not, I, I, I don't know. I don't really care. I think it's great to get a different view from someone. It also shows, I think, the level that HRC is willing to go to try to get this bike figured out
0: yeah fascinating to see how he does this weekend I mean nobody's expecting him to rock up and grab a podium or anything like that but no it would be interesting and I'm very pleased to see him get another shot in the most it'd be gym, interesting Bander. to
1: compare him against Mir and against yeah. Renz yeah
0: and Mir must be feeling fairly embattled at the moment so I mean that segues quite neatly into I mean we mustn't spend too much time on this because we're trying to keep this short but so we do have Hereth this weekend any sort of thoughts going into it Jim in terms of it's a very very different track to Cota, of course so I don't know if it's going to suit perhaps Fabio might have a bit more of a sniff perhaps this weekend it will mask some of the deficiencies on that
1: bike i want to tip miller or bender on the ktm mm, i feel that i feel it the bike's got the acceleration has handling it has great stability under braking it's kind of what Hereth is it's a very short squirty point track yeah. Um, the Ducatis really won't be able to exercise the advantage they have in horsepower however they will be able to maybe qualify in the front or whatever but I do tip the KTMs I think a Ducati's in the mix somewhere I don't know if it's Martine I don't know if it's Ben Yaya. Uh. I think Quatraro will probably get overwhelmed on the start and I think he will run into the tire inflation problem in the hot front tire that results from the lack of pressure or the overpressurization uh, as the tire heats up because they're in traffic I think he will suffer from that maybe a top five would be fantastic for him but uh, i'm tipping the ktms
0: a little footnote to that is that the weather this weekend in Harep is predicted to be unbelievably hot i think they're talking about like 40 degrees centigrade which is unseasonally hot so that's going to cause some issues with tires anyway and of course let's also just remind ourselves that in theory whether this will actually happen or not i don't know but in theory this is the first round of 2023 when the mandated tire pressure sensor data starts to get used correct which will Yes. Also, create some issues potentially and maybe some opportunities as well. But I'm kind of with you. I, I think, you know, the thing about KTM at the minute is despite the fact that Miller was on the ground an awful lot in COSA, their tails up, isn't it? You can see that mm. having come through a tricky pre season, they've kind of had a very surprisingly good start to the year. And you just feel that there's a bit of momentum with them and they're going to be pushing really hard. So I'm with you. I think KTM, I think Oliveira probably, I mean, I don't know. You can never I wouldn't really. I would put that past it. You can yeah. never really sort of decide whether you know elation maverick are going to get out of bed on the right side on a saturday or a sunday now and i don't really expect huge things from honda at this track i don't know why but i just have the feeling that perhaps it's a little bit back down to earth with a bump but anyway we'll be able to talk about it at great length no doubt Cheers. next week um just one other thing well a little reminder i'm due to be talking to matt but i've got my dates mixed up so i had to reschedule it but i'm due to speak to matt it will be in well next thursday so gary uh, shavit sent in some comments and questions which i will weave into my notes and so if anybody else wants to ask matt from dawna he's the lead commentator as most people will know then now's your chance to send in a couple of questions and I've been deliberating whether to have a short rant about Dorna. Just very briefly, I just got to get it off my chest, really. So I've been in touch with Dorna HQ in Spain, obviously, with a view towards asking, how does MotoPod, uh, and I'm talking obviously myself and you, Jim, and also, you know, we've got Martin out in Qatar, who's been on the show a few times lately and is happy to get a bit more involved from time to time, and a few of the other ex-hosts, you know, still are around about. So I was trying to just understand and find out what do we have to do as a pod to get Little bit of access, you know, to start that process of reintegrating from the sort of official media point of view. And I have to say, I've had the door slammed pretty firmly shut in my face in the most rude of fashions as well. So I'm feeling a bit peeved with Dorna because, on the one hand, they talk about fan engagement, wanting to spread the sport through the media. And yet, you know, it's the old bribery tower syndrome again so i'm a bit peeved i don't know what people think or what action we should take about it I mean, i'm mean, i not suggesting we go on some sort of storm online or anything like that but maybe we should find out how we petition these people a little bit more to say look we've been around as a pod for a long time and we've done a lot to promote the sport over these years and we've got lots of loyal listeners and fans that love the sport so why do we not get a crumb off the table from time to time so i don't know jim if i'm talking out of turn you
1: please tell me no i, I can understand the annoyance. Uh... I I really do. I really don't have really anything to say about it. I would be miffed if along those lines I know at the time that I was able to interview Frey Spencer Dorna had a big say in it because obviously he worked for them mm. and it was like I'm not here to talk about what he does as a steward I could, I really don't care I'm more interested in the books that he's written and what he's done as a as a, a three time world champion Yeah, so that's not what I want to do so then you know they kind of then gave way and was able to talk to Freddie so yeah I don't know I don't know what we do that's you
0: know I don't know we say it on every show Or you you certainly plug this one repeatedly, which is, you know, encouraging the listeners to subscribe to the show if they don't already, to hit the ratings and stuff so that the algorithms start to churn and and do stuff. I mean, we are hoping within the next two to three weeks to announce something that that we're going to be doing that will hopefully help with the profile with a show partner. So more on that to come. You know, I'm realistic. I mean, we're enthusiastic fans, Jim, aren't we? And we sort of do this. We don't get paid for this. I mean, this is just our passion. So Motopod is a smaller community of contributors and listeners. And fair enough. And it's always been that way. And that's kind of what makes the show great, I think. So we're never going to compete with the race. You know, Simon Pass and Toby Moody, you know, Matt Oxley, you know, the various people that are very, very prevalent who are full-time professional media people. We can't compete with them, but equally... I don't see why we should get completely shuffled off to the side and totally ignored when can I get access into the paddock to have a chat with somebody that has said that they will talk to me. So last year, for example, at Silverstone, Licio Cecinello, who's the boss at LCR, he was available to talk to us, but I just couldn't get in. And you asked Orna, well, how do I get in? And they say, well, how many listeners have you got? So you tell them, and they say, oh, you're not very big, are you? And then you go back and say, well, tell me what I need to do. And then you just don't get a response. Just completely stonewalled. So, I, you know, it's pretty poor, really. And this is not what you find in the World Superbike paddock. It's not what you find in the British Superbike paddock. And I'm damn sure it's not what you find in the Moto America paddock. So, yeah, frustrating. If anybody feels strongly about that, then we should correspond on email. You know the address. And let's work out a plan to up the ante a little bit. That's the rant over anyway for this
1: week. Uh, I'm sure I'll come back to it. <laughs> That's fair. So remember, guys, if you got questions for Matt Burt, send them in motopod at motopodcast.com. Rich will take them and tally them, and he'll get them asked to Matt Burt. In case anybody's confused about that, now Matt obviously does work for Dorna, but I
0: contacted him through the private channels and he's very graciously agreed to come on and have a chat. So I can ask him certain questions, but obviously he's not going to bite the hand that feeds him. So we'll talk about general stuff in the sport, but he's a Dorna person that I've got to via another means. So that's a little bit different to what I've just been complaining about. But uh, anyway, it'll be great to talk to Matt and we'll look forward to that next week moving on to world superbike we've just had the round at asson now talking to people that are willing to help out and are just generally great people all around our friend greg haynes from eurosport i contacted him earlier and just said greg any chance you can just do a quick audio clip file summarizing your thoughts on the Assen weekend so i'll give my thoughts brief thoughts on Assen in a few minutes but we'll start off with greg so greg off you go <laughs> Hi,
2: Rich. Hi, Jim. Hello, everybody. So, Assen World Superbike 2023 in five minutes or less. I think I'm going to have to do the good old English thing and start with the weather. We were very lucky. It was freezing on Thursday, and you could well have got away with wearing gloves. I felt like I did need to be wearing gloves, and I wasn't, and I paid the price. But as the weekend went on it warmed up we did have some rain it affected the supersport 300 qualifying session on saturday and very much mixed up the grid although the grid's a bit of a lottery in that class anyway as i'm sure you know We also had a wet warm-up for the Superbikes, or free practice three, I should say, on Saturday. Remy Gardner led that one, and that team had a really good weekend. But generally, we were lucky. A friend of mine did a track day on Monday, and it was five, six degrees, and really wet, really cold. Imagine that had come 24 hours earlier. So although it was a shame from a friend, it was good news for the likes of Alvaro Bautista. Having said that, I think he would have had a good chance to win in the rain anyway. He's already won in the wet earlier this season. Uh, although I have to say the likes of Top Rack and Co will be doing rain dances for Barcelona next week because it might be the only way they can beat him. We know that Barcelona will be, in inverted commas, one of the easier race weekends of the season on paper for Batista and for Ducati just quickly going through the manufacturers one by one Ducati obviously you just can't fault them their electronics are absolutely incredible the way Batista's riding it is remarkable he hardly even moves on that bike you see other people throwing their weight around it's almost as though he's glued to the tank there's hardly any moving mass whatsoever it keeps the center of gravity in one place but the way he's riding it let's just remember That man is a top Grand Prix motorcycle racer. Remember the 2013 MotoGP season? And I had a good chat with Alvaro, just the two of us, for about an hour on Thursday. We recorded a Eurosport interview, and then we just sat there chatting away in Spanish. And, you know, I said, well, remember 2013, you were fighting with Rossi all the time. It was Batiste on the Grassini Honda, Rossi on the Yamaha, the factory bike. And, you know, the man's a top Grand Prix rider, a multiple podium finisher in the MotoGP class, pole position man. Obviously, we know he won the 125 title. He was a great 250 racer. So he was riding in MotoGP in an era of the aliens when any given weekend, it was only ever going to be Pedrosa or Marquez on a Repsol Honda or Rossi or Lorenzo on a factory Yamaha winning. And Batista was up against that sort of competition and did grab a few podiums every now and again. So he's an incredible Grand Prix rider. Let's not forget that. Michael Rinaldi, that's a big struggle. Yes, he burnt his hand, of course, when that hot water was coming out of the radiator in Friday practice and lost a lot of valuable track time. So I think it'll be a bit harsh of me to criticize him but again the pressure's on Bassani keeps putting in good results or is Rinaldi going to be saved by the fact that Serafino Fotti is his manager and of course he's backed heavily by Aruba the title sponsor but as I say I don't want to be too harsh I really like Michael Rinaldi and I hope he can improve let's see Kawasaki still pushing the front and they're trying to take weight off the front but again Jonathan Ray crashed Alex Lowe's had the embarrassing crash same corner where Tita Rabat crashed on the sighting lap for Moto2 nine years ago. And he did the same thing, turn eight, the Steckenval. Um, they did a good job to get it going but just to prove how high the level is that man's on a factory Kawasaki, one of the best overtakers in the field and look where he got to 10th in the end that proves how high the level is that's on a factory Kawasaki, which Jonathan Ray was riding in podium positions for for the whole weekend it's a shame Jonathan Ray crashed out of race two for the second race weekend in a row however the man went down fighting and I think he needs to take a lot of credit for what he did and the same for top they did push Bautista but he was playing with them really a little bit like a cat with a mouse he was just Playing around, not cruelly, because he's doing what he needs to do. But he can just dictate the pace, and boom, he's gone. Honda was a big surprise. Big surprise. We were expecting a lot more. They had a really good test in Barcelona before we went to Aston, so they really do need to perform in Barcelona next week because they had a great test there before. It was just a bit of a mystery, really. BMW. I did a video interview with Michael Van Der Mark, which went out on Sunday, and I said, Michael, we last saw you going to the moon and back in Indonesia, and I really went and did it there because he's done it again. And of course, last year broke his right leg twice. Now he's broken his left leg. Apparently, I've heard from people within the paddock that he was even considering coming back at all after what happened last year when he broke his right leg twice. So I think he's out for the rest of the season. Will he even come back at all? Let's hope he does because he's a great character and he deserves a lot more than that. Looking forward to Barcelona. I'm expecting about Easter treble again unless it rains. And there's a big test coming up at Misano just after Barcelona. That'll be crucial. I think Brad Ray acquitted himself well, to be honest. We couldn't have expected too much more. Points are the target. We should not expect him to be doing anything more than that at the moment, unless we have a, an incident and a few riders go down or whatever. He did crash out of 14th place, though, in race two. So, OK, you've got to be in it to finish. To finish first, you first have to finish and all the rest of it. But he was proving that if we do have a few dropouts ahead, he can grab world championship points. Struggled a little bit, closing stages of race one remember these are different race weekend formats now for brad many anyways with the different lengths of races and things like that and of course it's a mighty mighty competitive field but i thought he did a really good job we couldn't have expected too much more bearing in mind he's had probably Realistically, three days of testing on that bike. So I'm excited to see what he can do. And of course, the big highlight for Brad's gonna be Donnington. Can he crack the top ten when we get back there later on in the season? Now I think there's some good times ahead for Bradley Ray, and it's important for BSB as well, because had he gone to Aston and had a nightmare of a weekend, it wouldn't have looked very good for BSB. So again, I think it just proves that the level in the British Superbike Championship is very high. Backed up also, of course, by some of the great stuff we've seen by Jake Dixon at times in Moto 2. I will also just add, because I'm sure the MotoPod listeners will be very interested in this, that we can reveal that Batista will soon be offered a test on the MotoGP Ducati, which is going to be officially labelled a reward for winning the World Championship in World Superbikes in 2022. Although I will just say, how good would it be to see him have a race outing in MotoGP? Let's not forget what he did last time he was there in 2018. He convincingly led the Australian Grand Prix at Phillip Island before going back there in the February and dominating his first World Superbike weekend. So let's see what happens. It'll be quite ironic, though, considering everybody's talking about Toprak going to MotoGP next year. We've now got Ikela Quona on a Repsol Honda in Herethis. Weekend, and depending on how the test goes, whenever that gets confirmed for Batista, how nice might it be just to see him on a Ducati Moto GP for a while? Uh, even if it's just an outing or two, would be really good. I'd love to see that, but time will tell. In the meantime, then, as Messrs. Clarkson, Hammond, and May used to say on Top Gear, back to the studio. Great,
0: right, thanks to Greg for that. So I just want to pick up on a couple of things that he mentioned there. I mean, the main takeaway from the weekend is, or the question I suppose that comes out of the weekend is, Is World Superbike in danger of becoming terribly boring? Because Alvaro Bautista is completely and utterly unbeatable. Did another treble. Uh, We're moving on to Barcelona, as Greg mentioned there. Highly likely he'll do the treble there. I don't know what your thoughts are on this, Jim, because I don't know that we've discussed this particularly recently. I know you don't get to see a huge amount of World Supers, but, I mean, what's your take on how do we slow
1: Bautista down? Mm. Remember, there was a time when nobody could touch Johnny Ray on a Kawasaki. Yes, and it wasn't exactly great, but look where people got to. Right, Kawasaki isn't as good as they were. Yamaha came forward with top rack, and the Ducatis have now worked their way to get to that level. So, I mean, I despise the movement of a rule book to cripple one team and one rider because they have. Achieve something that no one else has achieved. I do not like that. I think hard work and dedication should be rewarded. Now, that being said, then everybody else needs to come back and step up their game. And you do not know what is going to happen. I give you 2002 Troy Bayless was off in this championship by miles, and nobody was going to touch Troy Bayless. Yeah. But Colin Edwards put his head down. They got to halfway like in July at uh, Laguna Seca. They found something with the bike. Colin went on to reel in Bayless, and Rubens Chaus, I think, was also yeah. there as well. Took it all the way down to the last race in... Uh, Is that Imola? Yeah, Imola. And that was a great race to figure out who was going to be world champion. So you don't know about these things. I don't want to see rule changes. Now, if you want a rule change, that's fine. Let's do it at the end of the year. I mean, I don't think you can add weight or something to the bike. Again, it's one of these things where you should probably wind up thinking about a restrictor, an air restrictor, potentially. But if you want to go down that way, then you've got a BOP kind of a thing going on. And then everybody starts complaining about we don't have as much as anybody else. I hate that. But you know what? To me, when you see someone like Bautista who is unbeatable, as he is right now, why don't you just revel in the glory of what they have accomplished? Because you're watching somebody at the height of their game do basically what you, I, can only dream of on a track day, right? Yeah. So just enjoy it, people. That's my take on it. Yeah, I mean, I wrote a blog piece. on the website
0: for anybody that hasn't seen it. But in fact, I'm not sure that anybody has read it. but uh, And I said basically exactly what you just said, Jim, which is that, you know, he's just doing a better job than anybody else and it's for everybody else to catch up. I mean, racing is a meritocracy. And allied to that is the fact that there are several Ducatis of the same spec out in that field, and nobody else is doing the job on it. That Bautista is. So it's him. And as James Toesland said, who's one of the commentators on Eurosport now, is just the perfect kind of rider bike engineering, or the electro everything about it is just perfect for him on that bike. And whilst Toprak and Johnny Ray are running him somewhat close, the problem that they've got is that they just can't sustain a race. Whereas as the fuel load comes off and as the tires start to wear a little bit, Bautista just gets stronger and stronger. So if they haven't messed him up in the first half of the race, chances are he's gone. So that was sort of very much the pattern over the weekend at and Again, I won't repeat too much of what Greg just sort of ran us through in terms of his thoughts, but Toprak was strangely sort of off form and a bit forlorn looking and even sort of said bizarrely really to my ears that he was struggling to adapt back to the r1 having ridden the m1 in that two-day test Hmm. maybe there's something to that or maybe he's just you know wishing that that's the bike he was riding every other weekend i don't know but he just seemed like a bit of a forlorn figure really and johnny ray as you would expect was pushing like hell on that bike and actually had one fairly big crash as a result because he's having to ride the bike way beyond its limits now one interesting thing which i will just mention is that i think having gone Past round three, as we just have in World Superbikes, there's an opportunity for the technical organisers to make a few changes to certain bikes in terms of parameters. So, famously, you might recall, Jim, that Kawasaki wanted some extra revs and weren't allowed them because of a homologation issue. So, there are a few things that they can do, which are kind of balance of power, I suppose, getting into those murky waters. Though, whether they'll choose to try and pull the Ducati back a little bit in some way or fashion, I don't know. But I, like you, I would not. Really support it if they did. The only other sort of great big thing that happened over the weekend, and it's not a great big thing in in the sense of it was a terrible thing, was that poor old Mickey Vandermark, the Dutch rider, home round, and you know, he's a bit like Paul Aspargro and Mark Marquez, you know, he just has these astronomical high sides and always injures himself. So he's just come back. From missing a large chunk of last year with a, having broken his leg on two separate occasions and as the other high side of all high sides coming out of the uh, let's try and pronounce it correctly the get timur chicane so that sort of nadri last chicane uh asin, and just came down so hard and he's bust his femur now jim you know a bit more about anatomy than i do the femur is that the largest bone in the body it is it's the one from your hip tip to your knee yeah nasty nasty accident he's going to be out a substantial amount of time, I would
1: think. That's probably six weeks at the minimum.
0: Oh, I would think it could be all season long again because he was out for most of last year rehabbing and stuff. So, And you do wonder how much longer he's going to want to, from a mental perspective, put himself through this level of pain And just distressed, really. So I feel very sorry for him, I must say, because he's just one of these guys. He can't have a small crash. And yet again, he's injured himself badly. So we hope he gets better as soon as possible. And we wish him all the best. What else? Well, that opens up a spare slot in the works BMW camp in World Superbike. And as we're going to go on and talk about in a moment, somebody really pulled a result on a BMW in Motor America this last weekend. So you do wonder whether or not the phone call might come. I don't know. Maybe. A couple of people in BSB that are on BMWs that might equally get that call, but the Moto America schedule is nowhere near as busy, I guess. So whether there would be enough non-clashes of dates where you could do the old transatlantic backwards and forwards, who knows?
1: I don't think the person we're talking about wants to go back to Europe at all.
0: Well, that's the reason why he left in the first place, I suppose, isn't it, Jim? So yeah. yeah. Obviously, we're talking about Cameron Bobier here, True. having left Moto2 last year. It'll be interesting to see who BMW decide to mm. put on there because michael Vandermark is certainly out for i would think a couple of months at least if not longer yep agreed um just very briefly world supersport which is great ducati again reigning supreme so nico buligo who's another gp paddock refugee did the double easily leading the championship but supersport is great so we've got yamaha Honda are in there, although they're still struggling to get the engine up to spec, but they'll get there. And we got Ducati, Envy uh, Augusta had a very good showing with Marcel Schrotter, another Moto Two refugee that's moved across this year. So World Super Sport, if you do get a chance to watch it, well worth watching highlights of that series because the racing's great. I think that probably pretty much wraps up World Superbike, Jim. I just so thanks to Greg, and I must just mention by way of uh, reciprocation that when I spoke to him on episode seven twenty, people may remember we did have a quick chat about his new podcast, which is called talking away with Greg Haynes. Very, very entertaining indeed. A range of different people, not all sports related, but just recently he had a lady called Vanessa Guerrera on there. She was the HRC team press officer, I think, and so he spent a lot of time with Mark Marquez. Uh, is very close to Mark Marquez. So that was uh, a revealing conversation that Greg had with Vanessa. For British listeners, he also had Steve Ryder on, who used to host the big BBC sports programme, so it was totally and utterly in and around Formula One at that time. So if you want to do a bit of 80s and 90s nostalgia, then that would be a good one to catch up on. And you Jewel- Cluzel used to be in World Super Sport. People will remember. He was the first interview that Greg did on that show. And that is a really interesting, revealing chat. So go and find that if you've got some time. Uh, you will also find Greg's show on Twitter at Talking Away Pod. So yeah, recommend that. And thanks once again to Greg. Just looking forward to this weekend again. BSB is at Alton Park, as I mentioned on the previous show. I will be there. So again, you can find me on Twitter at Richard Jarrett if you want to meet up. I'll have my motorpod jacket on, so hopefully I'll stand out reasonably well. And again, just as a form of reciprocation for people that give us their time, people will recall that we had Asher Durham on the show for an interview. I haven't written down which episode that was, but a couple of months ago. Now Asher hit some funding problems. So he's riding in the stock 600 category on the BSB calendar so he's engaged in i wouldn't call it crowdfunding but he's basically got one of these deals where he's got a big board and you can buy a slot on the board you can have your name your photo Your company name whatever you know you can pay 100 quid for the one of the small ones all the way up to about i think 500 quid for one of the bigger things so again it's nice to support these guys because you know raising funds is obviously always a problem so if anybody has got a few pounds dollars euros to spare i know that asher would be very keen to relieve you of said coinage again you can find asher on twitter at D 64 He's on Instagram, uh, underscore 64 He's also on LinkedIn as well, which is a good place to find him. So people may have seen he's been publicizing this thing. So I will try and catch up with him at Walton Park at the weekend and
1: see how he's going on. So Jim. Let's jump to the TT real quick and then let's finish it off with Motor America. So with the TT, they, we talked about it. I saw a tweet on it from the people. There's a great documentary that they are now making for the TT. Uh, It's called No Room for Error, and that series will launch exclusively on ITV4 and ITVX in the UK for all you Brits out there. And it's going to be over four consecutive evenings starting on Monday, the 22nd of May. So I guess that's kind of going on during the fortnight of the TT, because isn't that the week of practice for the TT? Something like that. Now, for those of us like me who are outside of the UK, it will be available free to air in all territories via the TT T's own streaming platform, TT Plus. So you can find that at https: colon forces, forward slash races.com so that's that information so hopefully should be really good I'm looking forward to watching it I think it'll be fantastic I mean these guys are the, I mean these guys are my heroes really these guys who ride the TT they're they're amazing individuals and of all of them I mean I think if you're like a no disrespect to anybody who rides moGP or world Superbike but I do think that these guys do sometimes get a little bit of a big head these guys at TT have none of that they are as down to earth as you and I rich and yeah. they'd assume is just as much sit in the bar and have a pint and drink and talk racing as much as we would. So they're really some special people. So give it a watch, people. Give it a watch.
0: John McGuinness doesn't have McPint on his back of his leathers for, for no good reason. For reasons. no reason.
1: That is true. <laughs> I really want a McPint sticker. I want one of those so bad. I gotta find one somehow.
0: We'll figure it out one way or another. We'll as, figure it out As, one as one a minute. footnote to that. So the TT Plus... Uh, dot IOMTT dot com website is also the where you will get the subscription to live stream the race week. And I think it's in pounds, uh, great British pounds. I think it's about like 20 quid for it's like 20, that's like 22 US or something. Unfettered access for the entirety of, I mean, it's unbelievably good value for money if you love your road racing. So yeah, highly recommended. And yes, as you say, Jim, that documentary series is uh, a mouthwater. I'm looking forward to that. So we'll finish off because with brevity is the name of the day we'll finish yes. off with moto america now i watch the races because again these are streamed <laughs> live on youtube well done moto america um but Jim, yes. this is your patch, so I'll let you because yeah. I know you watched them and you caught up on them today, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I did. I caught up I caught up with it today. Uh, didn't get to watch it live, but the first Superbike race was very interesting because you had Cam Bowie back, you had Heron on the Ducati, you've got the defending champion Jake Gagne on the Yamaha, his teammate Cam Peterson on Yamaha, and you have Matthew Skoltz on the Westby team. Those four guys, five guys, were the head of the class. Now, they were really tight at the beginning of the race, but Cam and the first Superbike race on Saturday. Now, Cam and Jake did kind of run away from everybody and it came down to a straight duel between those two which was probably no surprise but the surprise was that that bmw had some legs on the yamaha in the first one yeah you know cam is good on the brakes especially going into turn nine and then through 10 a 10 b and he was able to take a victory in his return back to u.s racing which was phenomenal for cam to do that it was quite the race those two, a mono a mono, they're the last three, four laps were really fantastic. They kind of trade it back and forth again. But you can see Gagne was definitely being outclassed in a straight line by the BMW. Now, for Sunday, those things all kind of change. Sunday's race, it's the replay is available on YouTube, folks. It's not uh, geo-blocked or anything like that. If you have not seen it, I highly recommend that you take an hour out of your busy schedule and sit down and watch this race because it is probably one of the best motorcycle races I think I've ever seen,
0: yep, given
1: time. what happens in this one. But again, same cast of characters again for this race. But At the very beginning, they had another gentleman on a BMW crash. I forget his name, but his bike wound up in the gravel at the end of turn nine which is the downhill or what used to be called gravity cavity at road atlanta and unfortunately, the, the marshals that were there to pick the horn workers to pick up the bike and get it out of the gravel trap. It burst into flames on them while I was there. Now, nobody was hurt. Thank goodness. They were able to get away from it. But ugh, the one small criticism I will give Moto America over this was the red flag, in my opinion, was not displayed soon enough. When that thing burst into flames like it did, you had potentially corner workers that were burned or singed. It should have been stopped right then, in my mind. It should have been red immediately. They did wait. They did red flag it. They took them quite some time to get a fire fire truck to the area. Some of the fire extinguishers bottles only really have so much foam or retardant in them. So they weren't able to control it as this thing was going really pretty good. It was quite the barbecue, I will say. Uh, I think it kind of bordered on bonfire for those of you who live in the States. Now they did finally get this all cleaned up and they put it back together again, but they did drop the race length from 19 to 15 laps. And from the word go, this was an amazing race. Between Gagne and Cambobier and Heron, they all traded places every which way during this race. I mean, there was passing into one. There's then it's kind of a road to atlanta, then lends itself to being a very one-line affair. People pass then at turn six, also then into turn seven, which leads you to the back straightaway. And there's a drafting battles that happened completely on that one. The BMW and the Ducati can draft each other and redraft each other, and the Yamaha didn't seem like it could actually hang on. But then there's all the late breaking going in through Gravity Cavity into turn nine. bobie would lead one time, Heron would lead another time, Jake Gagne would be back out in front again. And it was just one of those things he's like, wow, this is going to be one of these absolutely phenomenal races. We did lose Cam Peterson early on. His bike exploded. I think it pushed a rod out the bottom and the oil, you know, hit the exhaust and then caught fire. Uh, And then I think it did catch a little bit of the bodywork on fire, but they were able to quickly put that fire out. It wasn't, it it looked spectacular on TV. Nobody was hurt, which is the best thing that could possibly have happened in a situation like that. Although I did think it was really odd that we had a lot of fires in one race. You don't really have the unusual thing of fires like that, but everyone did survive. Uh, as the race wore down, Heron and Bobier kind of were at the front together. They were beating on each other. I, some of the passing, because uh, Road Atlanta has a very high-speed kink that leads you into, it's a right, hand at kink that leads you into the gravity cavity which is a hard breaking zone heron would run a much wider line and if you watch that Ducati, he was sideways at 190 lighting the back end up through there which was just absolutely crazy to watch yeah. and as it came to the very end of it i thought it was going to be either heron or Bobier was going to win this thing because those two were just on it and gagne had fallen off a little bit but somehow in the last lap Cam was leading. They go into six, and Heron says, nope, I'm taking it from you. Muscles him out of the way. They get to seven, and... Bobier didn't get a great drive, nor did Heron, but they both just decided to wick it up because Heron wanted to be on the outside because he was doing better going through the kink farther out with the Ducati and was then be in the prime position to outbreak the you know from the right kink you go to a left turn so he was able to, would be able to outbreak uh, Bobier. so that's where he wanted to be so they stayed outside but it was like a drag race horsepower war Bobier... And Heron touched, I think they knocked Heron's knee puck slider off of it. They touch, Heron almost goes off the track at 190 plus, which it was by inches. (laughs) It was by inches, he kept it together. Now, okay, I'd have been wanting to change my shorts there because there's a wall and it's a concrete wall and it's one of those things where nobody thinks you're going to go off there so there isn't any airbags or anything else there. And I'm like, okay. But he's got the presence of mind to bring it back on track, and he dive-bombed everybody going into nine. It didn't pay off, but... The problem was that in the little dust-up between Heron and Beaubier, that allowed Gagné to sneak by. I didn't even notice it the first time I watched it, that that Gagné had gotten by. So Gagné actually led into the turn nine, and then Heron went straight through into the gravel trap because he couldn't stop the motorcycle. I would have just wanted to park it anyway. So How the hell he stayed on it, I do not know. I don't know how he did. It was absolutely, I don't know if it was a life or death situation, that moment (laughs) where you just somehow magically make it happen, but... As the race ended, Gagne was able to get through 10A and B and then lead out of the final turn and drag won the drag race to the line to win the race, followed by Cam and then Matthew Skoltz. So it's on YouTube. Go look at it, people. Absolutely phenomenal race. It was brilliant. And it was really one of the best races. It's one of those ones I think uh, we always talk about, hey, uh, like uh, Stoner and Rossi in the past, I'm going to say, you show that to your friends because that's the kind of race that you want to show them to get them interested in the sport uh, acosta winning from the pit lane in yep. qatar it's one of those races you show them because you just can't believe it happened this is another one of those i can't believe that happened moments and you want to show it to your friends and this really i mean cam has really energized the field there's a lot of guys that are really close now and i'm really looking forward to going to pittsburgh in august because if this kind of competition keeps happening moto america is going to be really good this year It does bode well
0: for the year having Cam back in, doesn't it? Because, I mean, Jake Gagne had a bit of competition from his teammate last year and sort of periodic Petrucci trouble, but uh, he didn't walk to the title. That would be a gross overstatement. But, you know, he's going to have a lot more to contend with this year. That's for sure. With Josh Heron as well. Mm-hmm. But like you say jim your favorite phrase was ringing in my ears down that back straight i mean he was what was it hauling the mail i mean the mail. bloody hell that bmw was quick wasn't it i mean given how little testing they he and they have had with that bike as well
1: yeah they had like one day of testing. Incredible. yeah yeah and there's still more bits and bobs and pieces to come they say so hey yeah this is gonna be fun this is really gonna be a fun season i just
0: love the american tracks anyway and road atlanta in particular is just a a great great place i mean it's sketchy but you know it's like a lot of the bsb tracks you know it's kind of like a cadwell park or something you know it's um the bikes are probably a bit too big and powerful to be going around there in truth but you know hey you know if people are willing to do it we will enjoy watching them doing it so the other thing i was going to say was like you and you never want to punch down because you know the sport doesn't exist without these people but yeah that marshalling and the race direction decision with that bike on fire in the pit in the gravel sorry for to for so long was a bit troubling, mm-hmm. you know, and there couldn't have been an awful lot that was salvageable on that bike, I would think, by the time it was eventually out. So that was a shame. Yeah. Beyond that, I mean, the only other problem I, I see really with Motor America is that the field is very, very thin. I mean, I was trying to count how many bikes started the race.
1: Uh, six rows of three minus one, so 18, 17 bikes.
0: Right. Uh, and... Let's be honest, you know, it's only the first six or seven of those that are kind of running at proper pace Mm -hmm. at the front. Uh, Again, without disrespect to everybody else, but, you know, people do get lapped lap quite quickly um, towards the back of that grid. But anyway, I mean, it's going to be a great year. I'm really looking forward to watching some more races, particularly. I mean, I'm assuming, Jim, I don't know actually if you know about this, but are Moto America going to be doing the YouTube stream
1: throughout the whole year? Do you know? I believe so. taster yeah this i believe it's all year and not only is it just the super bike race it's also the super sport race the btr race all that stuff was actually out there if you want to look at it as well yeah i don't know if they're doing it as a teaser for this year or whatnot but it's i mean if it gets people you know uh <clears throat> do hint, hint, give everybody access to the sprint race for free you want to bring people that'll bring it but yeah, I applaud Moto America for what they've done here. They've really kind of upped it. And having Cam back has upped everybody's game here in the US because he knows the tracks, right? Yeah. Petrucci, no offense, he didn't know the tracks. And these things are bumpy, wiggly little critters that you really got to have some experience on and be comfortable around concrete walls and whatnot because that's just the nature of what we have here. Yeah. In all honesty, the really the only real safe is not the right word, but the only really truly world-class facility we have is literally Coda. And, you know, hey, Superbike is going to go there, or Moto America, I should say, sorry, is going to be there on their own in uh, September. So that should be interesting to watch that yeah. uh, live stream as well.
0: Yeah. And, you know, hopefully there might be a few more people that, because as profile of these series starts to increase again, and let's be perfectly honest, I don't think anybody's going to take issue with us saying that Moto America has been in somewhat of the doldrums for quite a long while, not so much for the last couple of seasons, because it's been emerging from that. Uh, and you kind of see that reflected in the depth of the field at the moment. But, you know, if you go back to the sort of the AMA heyday, you had all sorts of international riders coming over and okay we had Petrucci last year we had Loris Baz the year before that so it would be nice to think that a few more riders will venture back over to America to take part in Moto America and I don't say this with any malice at all but you know Garrett Gerloff is struggling away year on year in world Superbikes. you know imagine how good the championship would be if you had Gerloff Bobier mm. and Gagne in their G connect plus Heron and the other guys as well. I mean, that would be, again, because Gerloff, he rattled off a few championships,
1: didn't he, before he came over to Europe? Or... Ooh, that's a question I can't answer. I don't remember Gerloff winning a championship, but it's possible that he did.
0: I might have just completely made that up in my mind, but I had it in my mind that he'd been pretty successful at home and then that kind of elevated him over to the world scene. Maybe wrong on that, but I'll, yeah, I'll no, do I, some check-in. Oh yeah, I could look too. Again, that sort of segues into the guy that would need to ask that to is our friend scott bolton and that yes,
1: <laughs> friend of the show scott bolton
0: yeah so scott was at road Atlanta, as we mentioned i think in the last show and was able to just a couple of very short clips but was able to doorstep a couple of people in the pit so we're gonna lead out in a second by handing over to the couple of pieces that scott was able to very kindly do and send through to us uh and they are with well brilliantly first of all Bobier, he managed to grab a couple of minutes I think he was about to go forward into the second race the audio is quite quiet i don't know if cam was stood a little bit away from scott when they were chatting i think probably scott was just using his iphone perhaps so you will have to listen a little bit to pick up on some of what cam's saying because it is a bit quiet and then that's followed by a rider that i'm not so familiar with but you are jim uh Rossi moore uh, i think he was in red bull rookies wasn't he last year or he's been or, not, or talent cup anyway yeah so he's back over in the states again so he's obviously a young rider jim what can you tell us about him because uh, Say so other than a name that sounds familiar, which I'm guessing his parents were fans of a certain vr 46
1: Yeah, I know he had Red Bull rookies or Talent Cup, something like that. Experience he's just making his way up through the series. I think he's on one of the Revit Twins races, racers, I believe. Uh, so that's like one step below getting to super sport, okay. Uh, and so I think he's trying to go from there to super sport and then uh to hopefully the super bikes and whatnot. So
0: young rider, um, working his way up. Cool, somebody's to follow. Okay, well, we'll be back again, hopefully sometime next week, Jim, won't we, to have yep. a chat about Hereth, and hopefully I'll have a few things to say from Alton Park BSP. although I'll probably still be shivering, because the forecast is just shocking. It's really cold here at the moment, and it looks like it's mm-hmm. going to be wet. Mind you, that usually makes for some spicy racing, so we'll see what we can get there. Other than that, I'll let you talk us out, and then the next thing you'll hear is the Zoom Zoom and the dulcet tones of Scott Bolton talking to these couple of guests that we have. Remember, folks, I
1: want you to be here for the next episode, so ride safe. Cheers, everyone. See you next week. Motopod here at Road
3: Atlanta. I'm going to grab a few words with Cam Bobier, The race winner on Saturday, epic battle with uh, Jake Gagne. Uh, Cam, welcome back. Man, you came back with a bang.
4: Yeah, thanks, man. It was, uh, it was a really good day. Good start to the weekend on Friday. A little off of uh, Jake's outright lap in um, qualifying, but, uh, yeah, we just had a good feeling come race time. And we were able to run them down, which was super surprising because... Uh, Obviously, we know how good Jake is, so to be able to do that was was pretty surprising and it was good, but I just, uh, like I said yesterday, I just want to keep our feet on the ground because, you know, yesterday, I I don't want to say it was like a fluke, but I know where we are with the bike and so does does the team, and we're not, uh, I don't think we're like quite there yet, but it was uh, was a great day, though, for for the team and, and everything.
3: And do you think that just the layout of Road Atlanta maybe came
4: into play as far as kind of bringing things to fruition, like I say, so. still in the early early stages? I think so. Like, what was really good is how fast our bike was in the straight line and how good it was on the brakes. And, uh, But we really need to get the thing to turn a little bit better and get it to hook up a little bit better, especially when we go to the tighter tracks like Barber and, and uh, Ridge, stuff like that. So. Uh, We definitely used the the horsepower of the thing yesterday as an advantage.
3: Well, Cam, I'm going to let you go signing autographs here, pre-race two, but uh, like I say, man, everybody's pumped to have you back, especially uh, giving Jake a a good sparring partner out there, so look forward to uh, today, race two, and the rest of the season.
4: Thanks, man. Thank you. Thanks, Cam.
3: All right, uh, Motopod Road Atlanta here with uh, Rossi Moore. Uh, some of you guys um, over across the pond may I'm sure uh, familiar with this guy As a lot of people here in the states's he been in the northern talent Cup the last couple of years uh, really kicking some tail over there uh, got injured towards the end of last year so he's kind of doing a rehab assignment here in uh, moto America Junior Cup this year and uh, lone KTM out there kind of like Tyler Scott a few years ago and we remember why he did Rossi yeah, thanks for being on motopod getting ready for the race day what you think
5: yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, really today I just want to have uh, be, be more competitive since yesterday towards the end of the race we had a quick shifting problem with the bike which took me out of contention. But now we sorted it and we were talking with the team yesterday about the tracks since it was my first time here and I have to try and watch and learn as much as I can about it to be as competitive as possible. But we're really confident today and I'm just hoping for a good result for the points
3: for the championship. Good deal. Well, yeah, you look good out there today, like say, until later in the race. You know, a little like you had an issue. What do you think about Road Atlanta?
5: Oh, I like it a lot. It's a—it's uh, definitely a unique track. There's no track like this in, in Europe. Uh, the closest thing I can think about is Saxering, but it still feels flat compared to this one. So uh, I, I'm really enjoying it so far, and I hope that all the tracks in here will be, will be pretty similar.
3: Well, I mean, I, I know the guys you're racing against know uh, who you are, where you came from, so kind of a, you know, target on your back. Uh, they're like, we don't want this guy coming in here from Europe, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, same for you. You know, you're getting to kind check out the talent here in the States.
5: Yeah, I mean, most of these kids I've already raced with uh, back in mini cup days and even before then I used to race with them. So most of the competition I know of and everybody here seems really nice. But, you know, on track, there's not really many friends. It's all competitors. But off track, you know, we're all pretty cool.
3: Well, hey, uh, I know you're getting ready. going to let you get back at it. It's good to have you over here this year. Looking forward to seeing how the season progresses for you. And I hope to see you up there on the box later today.
5: Thank you very much. Thank you for having me.